0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the I Hear Design podcast. It's Robert Yamanen here, editor at large of Interiors and Sources, and thanks for tuning in. As we're recording today's broadcast in conjunction with Tarquette, we are right around the corner from Thanksgiving. Um, but by the time you're hearing this, maybe you're tuning in after you've already had your fill of turkey or tofurkey, maybe in a second helping of stuffing. But uh, whatever the case, we are grateful you've joined us uh, for today's episode. I'm excited to have Chris Stolpen, uh Chief Creative Officer at Tarket with us, as well as Sandra Tripp, who is Managing Director of Huntsman Architectural Group's New York office with me today. Chris and Sandy, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks thank so much you. for having us, Robert. Yeah, great. Well, so for our listeners who might be wondering why we've paired a leading architectural firm and flooring manufacturer together, I'm glad you asked. Uh, in case you weren't aware, Parkett recently opened a new showroom at 440 Park Avenue South in New York City, which is adjacent to one of the main design districts on Madison Avenue. And for our listeners in the New York area, I urge you to go check out the new showroom when you get a chance. Um, I personally haven't had the privilege of touring it firsthand yet, but from what I've seen in the photos, it's a really stunning space and quite unique, uh, which is why we wanted to invite Chris and Sandy here today to talk about the project. And give us, uh, you know, that kind of behind the scenes tour of how it all came together. So, um, why don't we start from the beginning? What was the impetus for creating a new showroom space in New York? And when did the plans uh, really start to materialize? Um, Chris, you want, you want to go first on this one?
1: Yeah. Uh, it, well, and, and actually, um, before the idea of Turquette Atelier New York space came into the conversation, um, Sandy and um, Huntsman had helped me start to develop this idea of going beyond a showroom experience. Going back to, I think, Sandy, it's probably three and a half, four years ago when mm-hmm. we were looking for a new space in San Francisco or to, well, it's actually a renovation of a space that we have, and we wanted to try something different. Um, I, I have to tell you, I've always but I know I shouldn't say this, but I've always found, um, a manufacturer's showroom experience to be rather narcissistic as, uh, versus, <laughs> versus what, um, a, a reflection of what customers want or or more importantly, what they need. Right. So, uh, Sandy and the Huntsman folks really, um, helps me start to explore that in San Francisco. And um, we we did sort of almost like it 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 really acted as a pilot for this bigger idea, which um, when we merged our brands, our sub-brands, we had a bunch of sub-brands in different real estate throughout uh, the U.S. and put them all into Tarket. We had to have that be reflected in our physical space. So um, New York, our lease was up. We enlisted Sandy, who, by the way, we used to work together, and we've known one another for um, more years than we care to say. <laughs> but um, it, it, it was really uh, that whole idea of um, moving from a, a brand. You can still manifest the brand, but it has to be through the eyes of the customer, and for that it demanded something new. And, and I can tell you, Sandy and her team were the perfect folks. To help us, and and um, they most successfully, I think, uh, succeeded yeah. in helping us get this to life. Yeah. Well, well how I did mean, you guys oh, go? i well, ahead yeah.
2: jumping in there. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that you know any any successful project it, it takes a team to do that, and um, we were given free reign to partner with what it needed to be in terms of an experience in the space. So mm-hmm. it wasn't the type of situation where we were given a program and said, just create this. It was more like, well, how should we make this a different type of space? And who should we talk to? And how should we approach that? So we could share with you some of the steps that we took to get there.
0: Yeah. Well, I heard you guys both mention that there was a different approach that you wanted to take to this showroom. Can you talk about that as far as from a design perspective? Um, I understand this is kind of build as more of a co-creation space. Can you um, tell me about that a little bit?
1: Do did, did you want to maybe um, talk a little bit about um, the sessions that we had in New York while we started?
2: Yeah. So uh, when we came up with the idea together that, you know, Chris, Chris wanted something different and Tarket needed to illustrate we're doing something different here, and this is a space that's intended to be experienced, not just where their products would live. Uh, we went out to the industry, and there were a number of uh, sessions that were held with the top nine firms in New York City, and we talked to them about what they were looking for from a space for not only learning about product, but creating um their projects and what was a resource that they didn't have. And it was wonderful to get some of that feedback and understand what their goals were. And, you know, it's an interesting conundrum because we were the designers of the space, but ultimately we're also the users of the space as well because we would be part of that customer experience. But it was great to talk to our colleagues in the industry and learn uh, what sort of things they were missing, maybe from, other uh, showroom experiences, or maybe in their day-to-day work experience that helped them be creative, helped them think about materiality in a different way, or just be exposed to something in a way that was not the normal approach. And I think from that, we were able to build a program of experiences that the design community was looking for. And we worked with Tarquette to identify how that aligned with what their needs were and come up with a program.
1: So so I don't want to underestimate um, the part about the listening session because when when we say that, um, we had um, folks representing some of the larger firms, uh, folks that um, geographically had offices Uptown, but their clients were downtown. And then we had um, someone who was a single practitioner and a mom who came to the meeting with her two year old. And she's like, This is my reality. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Multiple perspectives that, um, and and when you think about it, all customers are are equal, right? Um, But they have different needs and they all have. Come from different walks of life when you talk about diversity, inclusion, equity. Um, and so how do you take all of these and start to try to build a program and, and very lofty goals? I, I, I will
0: say definitely. Now that's really interesting in getting that feedback from from the users must have been so valuable, but talking about the inspiration for it, then where did you guys glean that from Uh, Sandy? I don't know if you want to talk about that for a little bit, as far as like the overall design approach.
2: Well, sure. So, you know, this is a showroom in New York. So we had to make a splash, create something unexpected, but that also people could relate to. Uh, This is, you know, some of us feel it's the center of the universe here, right? So you want to have a space that reflects the inspiration that the city brings to us. So we we came up with a lot of words, right, that we wanted to use that contributed to that inspiration. And some of them were wow, loud, playful. We wanted the space to be a little edgy, uh, you know, unafraid, confident. All of those things evoke how we feel. When um, we are New Yorkers, but it also wanted to be something that uh, piqued someone's curiosity so that that creative process could uh, start to not just depend on what people are bringing to the space, but the space could start to contribute to that. And I think it was really from there, that we started to talk about the inspiration and who we could partner with for a program. That, uh, could bring something to the space that sparks creativity in a way that I don't think other showrooms have or other spaces. You know, it, it, it's combining a number of things that are happening out there today with, uh, either co-working spaces or touchdown places. You know, Chris, Chris made a great point in that, uh, you know, New York City is is big, and you end up with people running around, uh, designers running around the city, going from client to client to client, and sometimes there isn't a chance to go back to the office, or a place to perch, or they need to make a phone call, and what is so strategic and smart about where Target chose to locate is that they're right in the heart of the middle of all of that, and a designer could stop on their way to a client. Or, um, on their way back to the office or in lieu of that, or if they don't have an office, like some of the, uh, some of the clients, they could use that as their workplace. Mm. So we had to create a space that would provide all of these functions for, um, people in addition to how else we could use the space. Some of the designers were saying, well, industry events, there aren't enough spaces for things like that. So could that contribute to the program? Sure. So well, the, the yeah, go ahead, Chris.
1: Yeah, no, no, and and then you know if if you really do want to connect your brand in unconventional conventional way, I I, I think of it as you know, Turquette is it's a very very large brand, so we 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 have the benefit of affording a prime location in New York City, but that is only going to be meaningful to our clients, if, if you have this idea of sharing, right? Mm-hmm. So would you rather have your clients spending, your, your A&D customers spending their money at a co-working space, or would you rather have them using your space to work out of?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and it becomes a very simple proposition of like, okay, well, how can we make that happen? And then, you know, having a space that's inspirational is is such a broad term, but when you start to think about, well, you want the space to live, not for them just to come for work, to do commerce with you, right? That Mm -hmm. becomes very, very one-sided. Come visit me and give me your business. Um, Again, if if you flip the script, as it were, and you start to um bring in things that are meaningful for customers on a regular basis uh, basis and make those investments that um help enrich either their lives or their profession. What does that look like and And so I do think flipping the script um in terms of really putting the mirror to the customer and having the space be a reflection of that. Um, was probably the most critical thing that we did.
2: Well, it really shifted from being transactional to being, um, you're connecting with them on an emotional way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I love the idea that you guys created a a very functional, usable uh, third place for people to, like you said, come in and not just look for product and bring business, but uh, a place where they can get work done or meet clients, you know, whatever it is. And that's, that's really, really cool. Um, can we talk a little bit about uh, some of the maybe notable design elements that kind of stand out when you walk into space? You know, what makes it unique as far as uh, as that goes?
1: Maybe I, I'm going to let you <laughs> take this one, okay. but um, it, this, one, this one was quite an, an evolution, but it, it really, for me, um, uh, working with the Huntsman team was as soon as you step out of the elevator. So I will let Sandy take it from there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. You know, this is a great um, opportunity to work with Chris. And, you know, we sat around the table together with our team and talked about how do we make a space that, like Chris just said, when those elevator doors open up and you walk out, your first impression is, wait a minute, something different is happening here. And Mm. so that is how we design the space it's dark almost mysterious upon arrival um, you know there's a little tongue in cheek invitation to dance with this neon sign and the space is a black environment that then as you come out of the elevator lobby into what is the double height space tremendous ceiling height and it bleeds into this light it's like wow <laughs> you've got mm-hmm. um materials composed in such a way that we've introduced uh, every type of flooring that uh, Tarcat has under their umbrella. And we did it in a very interactive, uh, dynamic way so that we were able to walk around and say, oh, yeah, okay, I see this, I see this, I see that. And then um, while the space is very big and open and there are areas where you can kind of get a sense of the whole space, almost like walking into like a grand room, right? And everything is mm-hmm. laid out in front of you. But then we also have these great little pockets and nooks where you can tuck around the corner. And uh, there's this one space that we love to tease about. It's called the shroom. And it's uh, very richly colored. And you walk into this space and we've utilized uh, the carpeting and there's felt that goes up the wall and it's luxurious because it's in this saturated color that just feels like you're being hugged. And yet the acoustics of that room is very different than the big open plan space where it might be a little more buzzy where there's a cafe mm. where people are getting coffee. So we tried to make it a journey so that people could seek out what they needed when they needed it and provide a variety of types of spaces so we sure. utilize uh the rich materials that are available to us to try to use them in unconventional ways and um because so you want to talk about the luno and how we put that up the wall and
1: sure well you know you also have to pay respect to the to where where you are so um yeah uh, yeah i had asked um the team, my team, and the Huntsman team, to seek out uh, local artisans, right? So everything, um, you said there is this bespoke sense of um, creation within the space, and we worked with a, uh, this wonderful um, Brooklyn fabricator who took some of our material and made furniture out of it. Um, oh, cool. Which I really like. Yeah,
2: Slash objects. It's like this beautiful right. table that has um uh the Tarquette flooring applied to it and um mm-hmm. it's just it's like how can you partner with people and, and and utilize the materials in unexpected ways? And it was a great way to also just think differently, right? So how are you gonna how are you gonna use these things in ways that are unexpected? But also, like Chris said, honor where you are. And we've got such right. a rich creative community here that I think sometimes gets a little lost in in the, in the marketing mix of the world, right? There's so much here that we could tap into, so it was mm-hmm. fun to be able to seek some of these smaller companies out that um, really aren't necessarily the big names that you've always heard about but are doing super creative stuff and really inspire all of us.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and then um, we do have a product that goes up the wall, and it's, um, it's, it's this wonderful sustainable material called Lino, and it's all natural, and um, but and it's very flexible and pliable, and so we did this huge wall um, that we have. Um, again, um, our, our space. <laughs> it's bossy, because when you get off the elevator, it says, yeah. and then when you put yourself in front of this uh, this linoleum wall, it says move. So uh, it's always prompting you to do something with your feet. Our space is always right. directing you to do something with your feet underneath all of this flooring. Um, oh, and cool. then it's, Yeah, well, and actually, um, all all of the spaces are named after uh, different dance moves uh, throughout the entire atelier. Yeah, and and I I think how to make the space as flexible and modular as possible, Sandy and her team came up with a great solution of how we can have one big open space or we can have a series of three different conference spaces um, with privacy or semi-privacy, and it was just a a wonderful way to to address it, Um, so the space is always... Can be animated, however, it needs to be animated by those who are who are in the space. Yeah. I, I will tell you, um, my one of my favorite parts, um, which has now become a hallmark of, um, I think, uh, uh, all of our larger Turquette spaces, is um, stadium seating where there is uh, um, there are outlets where you can sit down and recharge yourself and your devices. Um, But it's also a great way. It's one of the first things you see when you come off the elevator is the stadium seating, which really says to me, it's a a sense of community and a place to meet.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And speaking of kind of, you know, community, I know Sandy mentioned the partnerships, uh, you know, with local groups and artisans. Talk a little bit about the partnership with, with Studio Edelcourt. Um, what types of curated exhibits can our listeners in the city or those visiting New York expect to see when they visit the showroom?
1: Well, I, I have to say this is critical to it, right? So how do you how do you make this about the customer and um, partnering with someone like Edelcourt Inc. It has provided such value to our customers. Um, truly, the world renowned folks, companies uh, company based. Uh, really looking into the future of what will matter, and, um, and not only from just interior design and architecture, but all of, you know, if you think about it in a macro sense. So, um, our first exhibit, which is there now, which will go through the end of the year, is um, called Circular by Design, and... Yeah. Um, and it, it has uh, 10 different folks represented, and it's, it's Suzanne Stick, who is one of our Charquette uh, collaborators, but she's also an artist, and she um, takes mylar material, mylar balloons that she finds on the beach, and Fire Island, because um, she's trying to clean up the beach, and then she weaves them into these giant art pieces, and she does the same thing with the hangers that you get for your dry cleaning, and she repurposes mm-hmm. them. But um, we also have a large portion of the exhibit devoted to waste no more. Uh, It's the new expression of the Eileen Fisher brand. So you're hearing more and more about um, fast fashion and disposable fashion, and what that, how that's wreaking havoc on the world. It's not a sustainable practice. So Eileen Fisher has been um, really been championing this, and um, a large portion of the exhibit is devoted to waste and more, which is really that expression of what do we do with all of these materials. Um, But you'll find very fascinating um, other new people in which you can discover. And I just met with my team who was taking me through what will go up in January, which is called Earth Matters. And it's about Mm -hmm. material innovation, um, sustainability, uh, trends and design aesthetics. And what we're going to... Have ready for january is um something that our customers need our c e u credits so we are now going to be able to offer these exhibits at c e u and we think that will offer a great benefit for people who are seeking those
0: credits. sure yeah no that sounds amazing and I know um that circular by design that it was focused uh, on on that waste and sustainability how how do you guys characterize the narrative around sustainability, you know, in the industry today. Like, and what, what do you, what are your hopes as far as taking the next steps toward more sustainable design practices moving forward, uh, from here?
1: Well, well Sandy and to embed that throughout the entire space. I'll, I'll let you chat about that, Sandy, and then I'll.
2: Well, yeah, we've got it from different perspectives, right? So, yeah. you know, sustainability isn't limited to the products that you pick. You know, I mean, yes, it's great to buy sustainable products, and it's important to understand, um, you know, what their life cycle is and how they're created. It's also how you approach consuming and um, how to be smart and creative about how you reuse and repurpose things. And it's very interesting in our industry, right, where those of us that have been working in interiors in certain locations, we've been repurposing interiors our entire careers. And what is a great conversation in this circular by design idea is you don't have to rip it all out and start from scratch, right? How can you take something and repurpose it and then maybe look at it or reinvent it a different way? And we do that with buildings all the time. Right. So as we approach, you know, and that was a little bit of a conversation about how, to, how we folded into designing a flexible space. In the showroom, instead of building walls and thinking about a space that, you know, a little bit of it is experimental because anytime we build a space, once it gets activated with people, that's when it starts to live. And you, you don't know really how it's going to work out. You can predict it and talk about it, but what we've provided is with curtains for separation and utilizing furniture and um, building as few walls as possible, but what we did build was more componentry, that it, it allows it to be flexible to where something needs to change down the road, you're not tearing things down and throwing them away. So, I mean, that's at least right. from our perspective, how, how we're finding it folded into more and more of our projects and how our clients are really looking at spaces differently And when we do even real estate searches with them, how we do that.
0: Sure. Chris, what about from a manufacturer perspective? uh, How do you guys see the next sustainable design practices moving forward?
1: We put our stake in the sand. And and we think it's great that um, people focus on different things for their business. But we truly, truly believe the, um, the only way to be truly sustainable is to be able to take back your material. and turn it into something else. So um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking um, by the time this comes out, your um, uh, listeners uh, will have heard about uh, some breakthrough that we have uh, just made this week that we announced where um, one of the Holy Grails is being able to separate face material from backing, which we have now just done. So we can wow. um, take yarn, um, we can take carpet back and take used yarn from the face of the carpet, used backing, and turn it back into yarn, and turn it back into backing, so we can um, reuse and give another life to it. So we've um, truly perfected, um, you know, that cradle-to-cradle promise, um, sure. and, and this is a huge breakthrough. And this is really where our efforts are focused. So while we have our carbon-neutral products. And we have our LEED certified products and our, um, um, ILS, um, ILFI certified products and our Red List products. Um, at the end of the day, being able to take, so good materials and good materials now allows you to, to do this with cradle to cradle. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, very exciting. That's, that's truly our approach to the topic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. And it's been so encouraging to see how design firms like consummate and manufacturers like Tarket have stepped up to address sustainability over the years and we've come a long way from the early days, but obviously there's still work to be done uh, to reduce our environmental footprint, but I'm hopeful we'll continue to make strides on that front, you know, as we make sustainable design a priority. But, um, well, that's um, that's the time we have for today. Um, Sandy and Chris, thanks so much for being here. It's been such a great discussion uh, with you guys. Thank you so much. This is great.
2: It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Great to speak with both you.
0: Yeah. And for our listeners, um, the next time you're in the city, uh, go check out the new Tarquette Atelier showroom and let us know what you think. Sound off on Twitter and our Facebook pages. And of course, tune in next week as we'll be talking about some tile and stone trends to watch out for in in 2020. Thanks, everyone, and be well.